welcome to the Any Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the anime that we rolled was the Monogatari series. Monogatari is a long-running series of light novels. There are 24 total since they started in 2006, and there are plans for at least five more. The writer is named Nisio Eason, which is a palindrome, which is awesome. <laughs> and it was illustrated by a Taiwanese illustrator named Vofan. Uh, this series is released in different arcs that involve wordplay. So there are series like Bake Monogatari, Nisei Monogatari, Neko Monogatari, and others. The production company Shaft created several anime adaptations based on these light novels, and the first one that they produced is Bake Monogatari. So it's sort of the first canonically, and uh, it's a complicated running series, but that's mm -hmm. the one that we decided to start with mm -hmm. as a result. Bake Monogatari is a portmanteau of Bake Mono, which is a type of yokai, uh, kind of like what we would call a ghost or a monster. Mm. And monogatari uh, means story. So it sort of means ghost story or mm -hmm. something like that. Shaft is an animation studio that's known for using unusual animation styles and visual gags with a sort of avant-garde way of telling stories. And uh, they actually now exclusively work with a single director named Akiyuki Shinbo, who was uh, the director for this series. And uh, both the director and the studio are also known for major projects like Madoka Magica. Hmm. We're going to be discussing the first five episodes in depth, and we'll try to avoid major spoilers. This show is built around short stories that are each told over the span of two or three episodes apiece. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, the first two episodes tell one story, and episodes three through five tell a different story. A third-year high school student named Koyomi used to be a vampire, and some of the effects of his immortal life still linger. As a result, Koyomi often finds himself at the center of paranormal activities and spends much of his time helping people who are affected by these entities, such as apparitions, deities, ghosts, mythological beasts, and spirits. In these stories, we meet Hitagi, whose weight is taken by a crab-like entity, and a young girl named Ma Mayoi, who is never able to reach her destination. So this series is very character-driven, mm -hmm. um, kind of similar to last week, except that it's good. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, by the way, uh, Kayla finished Love Tyrant yeah, already. It was, so. it was awesome. <laughs> um, it seemed to kind of end on a, I don't know, it didn't feel like it really wrapped up all that much. No, it, it, it kind of left on an ambiguous, like... Could probably use a second season, sort of. Maybe. I mean, Anyway, back to this <laughs> this show. Uh, it's very character-driven, mm -hmm. but that said, the entire premise of the show is that it's telling these short stories in segments. Mm -hmm. um, and so the interplay between the characters and the story that it's trying to tell is really important. Uh, what did you think of kind of the main character? He's actually consistent through all the series uh, mm -hmm. from Bakamono Gatari on. Mm -hmm. uh, his... his Last name is what they usually refer to him as, but yeah. we are unable to pronounce that because <laughs> it's just not sounds that really work in English. So Yeah, it's it's also funny. They do kind of make reference to that a little mm -hmm. bit with one of the characters being unable to pronounce his name. Yeah, he has a succession of uh, two similar characters in his name, mm -hmm. uh, which is R. And uh, one of the characters continually messes that up, mm -hmm. mostly on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he was kind of an interesting character. Uh, 
I'm not sure totally what to make of him. Um, because there's times when he is played off as kind of dense, but other times totally the opposite. And it seems like they kind of wrestled with his character of um, trying to decide if he's wise and knows all these things versus has no idea what's going on. I also noted kind of the same thing. Uh, in fact, we've talked many times about the <laughs> Aho gay and how it kind of indicates a dumb character, mm-hmm. which he, he is very prominent Aho gay in the show. It's like its own character in yeah. itself. And kind of what I was gathering, at least from these few episodes that we've seen, is that all the other characters treat him like a moron. Yes. And the show itself mm-hmm. uh, treats him like he's kind of brilliant. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So everyone in the show is very intellectual. Yes. It's it's just an incredibly um, detailed, Mm -hmm. very high level sort of uh, philosophical Mm -hmm. thing that happens in the show. Mm -hmm. And so even the dumbest character in this show, which would be the main character, is played as, as someone who's really articulate. Yep. And really intelligent. Mm -hmm. And it seems like his only problem is that he revealed at one point in the show that once he got to high school, he started uh, doing poorly in school. His grades just fell off. Yeah. But he's still a really intelligent person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's still able to engage in the verbal banter with all the other characters. Um, So it seems strange sometimes that he's even animated with kind of like a blank face like he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. His whole story is that he is a former vampire. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought it was interesting that they threw you into the story without giving you all that back information. Yeah. We have no idea how he became a vampire. We haven't seen anything about that. and How uh, he stopped becoming a vampire. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all we know is that he has this weird friend who we'll talk about later who mm-hmm. uh, kind of is involved in all these paranormal activities and... Uh, helped him Mm -hmm. reverse the effects of the vampirism. Mm -hmm. So right now he just kind of has some superhuman abilities. We see him uh, able to heal himself of wounds Mm -hmm. and, I don't know, other things. He had like a a zoom-in vision at one point. He could see really far away. Yeah, there's there's been a couple of times, too, when his eyes will just suddenly go red and it's supposed to show some lingering effect of... Um, of his old affliction, but they don't always explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. He also has two sisters who um, we see a few times and he talks about them, Mm -hmm. but otherwise they haven't been primary characters yet. So I don't know if there's anything to say about them. No, they just seem like two normal younger sisters. Um, We don't see his parents at all. He talks about them, but we, we don't see them. Yeah. One of the first other characters we meet is Subasa who is the class president of the class that he is in. Mm -hmm. Um, We also don't spend a whole lot of time with her. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we do know is that she has visited his friend before, Uh, this guy, Oshino, who kind of takes care of paranormal activities and helps people get out of them Mm -hmm. or uh, help them through the effects of those situations. We know that she has seen him before. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to have something worked on, mm-hmm. but we didn't get any of that either. No, um, 
Which I think is part of, you know, we, we chose to start um, with this series. Um, I think some of the other companion parts of the show actually go into different backstories. And I think hers is one of the ones that they go back in time and show what happened to her. I think chronologically, Bakemonogatari isn't technically the first in the series, but yes. it's kind of based on release order, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first story that we're told about uh, kind of centers around a character whose name is Senjo Gahara. Mm -hmm. uh, we see her first falling off of basically a balcony in their school. Yeah. And she is uh, descending down a staircase. I'm not really sure why she was falling or anything. The banana peel. Oh, right. Yeah, she slipped a on a banana peel, peel. Of course. We don't see that, so no. <laughs> it wasn't comical. She just mentions it and mm -hmm. is like, oh, those darn banana peels. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the main character sees her falling mm -hmm. and for some reason decides it would be a good idea to try to catch her. Well, it seems like he was in direct path to, because where she lands, he didn't go out of his way to catch her. Uh -huh. She literally just lands in his arms. Mm -hmm. But when he, he does catch her, he finds that she is super light. Mm -hmm. uh, she weighs basically nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and she goes on to talk about how she is weightless because of a crab. Yes, that she encountered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of come to find um, throughout the series is that there are a number of entities, like you talked about mm -hmm. in, the, in the intro, uh, that are responsible for interactions with humans. Mm -hmm. um, they could be gods. They could be ghosts. Mm -hmm. They could be any number of things. Yeah. They often just refer to them as apparitions. Yeah. And so she encounters this crab, mm -hmm. and he takes her weight away from her. Yes. And she weighs five kilograms. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing about her is that she has a weapon of choice. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, she carries many different types of weapons on her. Um, they're all school supplies. So they're like scissors and pens and stuff like that. But the one she uses the most is a stapler. Yep. Which... Uh, I was thinking about it more, I think is related to the crab. It's like oh, the, that it's like the pinchers, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about it and I was like, ah, it's like, it's like the crab pinchers. Right. But she staples people's faces. She does. Mm -hmm. She's a, uh, she can basically summon this large Swiss army knife covered <laughs> in, in office supplies from mm -hmm. her hands. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it would, like, fall out of her dress. Yeah. We briefly talked about Oshino. He is a kind of weird middle-aged guy Yeah, who lives in a house somewhere, and he's kind of isolated. Well, it's not even a house. It's like a old building Yeah, that's some vacated. decrepit old yeah. vacated building. He wears a Hawaiian shirt with, uh, <laughs> with the buttons undone, so yeah. you get a good ab shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, he knows a lot about the paranormal stuff that goes on in this town. Yeah. And so he's kind of the go-to for mm -hmm. all the characters whenever they're having some kind of thing that they need mm -hmm. to address. He had mentioned briefly at one point that he had, like, went to school for priesthood. He, he was in the, the Shinto priesthood, yes. which yes. Um, I am meant to do some research on that, but I <laughs> didn't get a chance to. So. so he has some training. He's not just, like the local crazy guy or anything but like he that. He said he's he's no longer active in that priesthood. Now right. he's just kind of a free agent yeah. doing this kind of work. And he charges a lot of money for it. A lot of money he charged. Which I guess be close to like $10,000 that he charged yep. her. Yeah. And then 
he charged um Koyomi. Yeah, he charged Koyomi like five, five mil- half as much. No, I thought it was more. I oh, thought he said it? five million. Yen. Maybe. Either way, because it specifically had to do with uh vampirism. Yeah, that's that was why a special that's why he got upset him. was because he's like, You charged them so much less than yeah. <laughs> than mine. The next character that we meet is Mayoi. Mm-hmm who is a grade schooler, mm-hmm. and she's kind of the center of the second story. Yeah. Yeah, so she got the uh, three episodes to cover her. Um, and she's kind of interesting when we first meet her because she's lost, and um, the main character is trying to figure out where she's trying to go, and um, Mayoi is just pushing him away, saying, like, I hate you, I don't like you, like, go away, don't bother me. And she starts actually to become a little violent with him. And it's <laughs> it's not until they get into like a big fight. And um, Koyomi is like, he tackles her to the ground because he like, I think he like punched her in the stomach. And that's when she suddenly becomes friendly to him and lets him like help her find her way. But one of the things I noticed about her is that she tends to not retain information. So she is a character that frequently mispronounces the main character's name. And he'll tell her like, no, this is how you're supposed to say it. You're adding you're adding an extra character in there. And she'll kind of laugh it off. And then the next time she says his name, she'll probably say it wrong again. And so it seemed like she doesn't really carry new information with her. And uh, to get us kind of into talking about the story, let's uh, start there and kind of work backwards to the first set of episodes. Okay. So um, we come to find out that this grade schooler is actually the um, apparition itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that she has been affected by uh, an apparition, but that she is the one. Yeah, she's the spirit. Yeah. Uh, she had talked about meeting a snail. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some wordplay in her name. Uh, yeah. I don't remember all of this, but it has it's... to do with a cow. Like the yeah, kanji you... for cow it is includes also a, a cow kanji in there. In the word for snail, yep. in the kanji for snail. Uh, so yeah. one of the characters keeps calling her the cow. Yeah, the um, lost cow. And her name actually, I think, translates to a wanderer or a lost yeah. something like that. Yeah. It turns out that she's. It's not that she met the snail and the snail is the one who uh, made her lost or uh, unable to go home. She's trying to go home to see her mother, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she is actually the entity who is affecting uh, Koyomi mm-hmm. because once he starts interacting with her, he's no longer able to go home. Yeah, so when they get the like address from uh, Mayoi, they start kind of walking towards what should be her mom's house and they keep overshooting it. And they're like, that's weird. Why did we, why did we miss it? Like, um, and they, every time that happens, they, they cannot find their way back. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty interesting reveal um, Mm -hmm. in the way that that played out. Mm -hmm. At one point uh, she calls uh, Koyomi, Mr. Man Beast. Which was pretty much my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Was that after or before he, that was he before. beat her up? That was before. <laughs> he beats her up twice, by the way. So it's not like yeah. it was a one-time thing. Twice. Big, like, makes her unconscious, sort of, beats her up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in broad daylight. To be fair, she did bite him so hard, it, like, took a chunk out of his mm-hmm. hand. Uh, 
during his interactions with um, Mayoi, mm-hmm. uh, Gohara is actually there with them. She's mm-hmm. also trying to find the home with them and mm-hmm. uh, walking around. We come to find out that she could never see the little girl to begin with. No. Uh, it was just uh, Koyomi who could see her and inter- interact with her. Which, realizing, you know, when they reveal that she's a spirit, that um, it's because he didn't want to go home. He was avoiding things. And that's, like, what that snail spirit does is it prevents people from it being seek, able to find their It seeks people who um, have some aversion to going home. Going home. Mm-hmm. In the end, they're able to basically find uh, the home that she was supposed to go to, yeah. which was demolished years ago. Mm-hmm. It turns out she had died, like, 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And the reason that she became this entity was that she was on her way home to see her mother mm-hmm. and I think died in a, a car accident. I yeah. think a bus or something hit yeah. her. And uh, that's what turned her into the spirit whose purpose is to find mm-hmm. people in similar situations. It was interesting, actually, how they overcame it. They decided to take totally different routes that she wouldn't know. So they took brand new streets as opposed to the old streets that were still intact. Um, And then because she was lost, like they were able to actually get her to the lot that her house used to be on. This is where I think I was really impressed by the depth of storytelling. Yes. And the way that the characters unveil information as you you learn more about them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so this little girl, her parents divorced mm-hmm. and she lived with her father mm-hmm. and her only desire was to go see her mom. Yeah. Um, and not that she didn't like her dad also, but. No, no. Um, she just missed her mom. Mm-hmm. And it kind of turned out to be the same for, uh, Koyomi, who mm-hmm. it happened to be Mother's Day and mm-hmm. he was kind of mad at his mom at the moment and mm-hmm. didn't want to go see her go and home. And his sisters. And his sisters who were bugging him a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and his sisters kind of felt like he wasn't attached to his mom the way he should be. Yeah. Yeah, that he should care more. Okay, so stepping back to uh, Sinju Gohara's story. Mm-hmm. The reason that she was super light Mm -hmm. is because she encountered this crab entity who stole her weight. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about her story at all? I love her story. Um, When we were watching it, (laughs) as I was figuring it out, I was getting more and more excited. It does check all the boxes for things you're very interested in. Yes, it does. So um, we come to find out that Hitagi, that's her first name. Because uh, I can't say her last Sorry, name. Sorry, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with Hitagi. <laughs> um, she lives with her dad because her mom got involved with a cult um, after Hitagi got really sick in middle school, like needed surgery or she was going to die. And her mom gets involved in this cult um, that starts to take advantage of them, both financially and then as we come to find out physically and and sexually and when one of the cult leaders comes and tries to take advantage of Hitagi she attacks back and causes a whole lot of physical damage to this person and her mom doesn't defend her her mom goes back to the cult and leaves the family and she carries a lot of guilt because of that so when she encounters the crab the crab goes to take that weight away from her that burden yeah they they get together with oshino and Mm -hmm. he orchestrates this big meeting where 
he's going to force the the crab deity to show mm-hmm. up again so that mm-hmm. she can face him. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of at that moment that you you realize mm-hmm. she's not talking about a physical weight, although yeah. that did affect her physical weight. Right. But an emotional weight. What she actually has to let go of is mm-hmm. the emotional weight of that burden and that load that she's carried for so long. Well, I think it's actually the opposite. Um, is that she needed to take it on? Right. She she, she had she had rid herself yes. of the emotional weight. Yes. So that she could move on with mm-hmm. her life, but. Yeah, and it was interesting uh, because her personality shifted because of it. So um, one of the things that the um, Subasa, the uh, class rep, talks to Koyomi about is that, you know, Hitagi used to be this really sweet and popular girl. She was very, very friendly, and now she's completely isolated. And they attribute that to saying that, oh, well, you know, she got sick and she's just she's just still sick. And so her personality becomes very callous. She's very cut and dry with people and not very emotive. She's just flat like the whole time that you see her. Oshino calls her a tsundere because she's very cold and uh, doesn't really show her her uh, interests. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she encounters the crab again, she at first is like blown over by the crab literally and um they're like oh well i guess we have to like get rid of this crab that's the only way she's going to be better and she steps in and is like no like i can do this and she pleads to the crab to give her back all those feelings all those memories so that she can bear that burden so that she can move on and she wants to remember even though it hurts her she wants to remember her mom and the pain that that caused her. And as soon as it was a really cool animation, which I'm sure we'll get into later, um, the crab literally is covered in kanjis, um, which I don't know if it just says crab. It didn't translate, so I don't know. But all of those leave the crab and envelop her. And then she's starting to be emotive again. And she just cries and cries. And then we continue to see her through the other episodes. And... She is different. Like, she's much more expressive. She's much more friendly. And she actually has emotions. Well, you hinted at uh, kind of the presentation of the show and the animation. Yes. It is certainly a very strong point for this show and something I'm really excited to talk about. (laughs) Um, Because so far we've kind of had just your generic looking shows where Mm -hmm. everything was... Uh, a character just looked a certain way and all of the environments kind of matched and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, variety mm-hmm. when you start going through the episodes. This is very different. Totally different. Yeah, at times it was almost overwhelming in a, in a good way. but think, Yeah, in, in a way that it's meant to be. Yeah, there was just so much happening. Uh, it was hard to catch it all, you know. I'm sure it's one of those things you go back and watch it a few times and you find new things each time that you watch it. Yeah, thinking about the fact that this was made by the same director and studio who did Madoka Magica, (laughs) you can see a lot of the same sorts of things, Mm -hmm. even though Madoka is more straightforward. It's it's less Mm -hmm. avant-garde and experimental, but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like scenes that are in paper mache for no reason (laughs) or... uh, (laughs) 
like when he holds a phone out, it's a real phone. Yeah. And there's animations happening around mm-hmm. the phone, but the, it's an actual photograph of a phone. Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of, of changes in animation styles mm-hmm. and different techniques that they use throughout the series mm-hmm. that um, just wildly varied. Oh, yeah. One of the things that was a reoccurring kind of, I guess, stylistic thing that they did was the they kind of look like cue cards that would be um, spliced into the animation. Sometimes they'd be translated. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, But they'd just be these kind of one color with kanji written on them cards that were saying something usually in the place of like an emotive thing. Yeah. Sometimes it was a cl- equivalent to like an animation for this goes here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of that reminded me of like late Evangelion, mm-hmm. um, quick flashes of information, mm-hmm. especially when the show first starts out. Oh, yes. You have no idea what's happening. There's so no. much text on the screen. Yes, and it goes by so fast. Even, there's no even, way to read it. No, even for a native speaker who yeah. reads the language, it's there's not enough time there yeah. to ingest anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I told Kayla before we started watching, <laughs> based on the little bit that I know of this series, mm-hmm. don't try to ingest everything. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get the whole show. Sure. Uh, and maybe it's kind of like Fooly Cooly, where mm-hmm. the more you watch it, the more it kind of starts to make sense, <laughs> sure. or at least you pretend that it does. <laughs> that's that's probably more accurate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was uh, the first scenes. Uh, that we saw on the show are very different than any of the stuff we saw actually no. play out. Yeah, There was a lot of, and maybe actually this was just a recap of like how he got to be a zombie. Yes. Or not a zombie, a vampire. A vampire. Mm-hmm. But there did appear to be like a lot of violence yeah. and people, you know, chopping arms off and yeah. stuff. And none of that happens in the show. No. It was all just kind of a precursor that... Mm. Didn't really make sense. No. <laughs> no, yeah. There were characters that we hadn't seen and continued to not see in in the um, two arcs that we went through. Um, and then, like I said, there there would be these, they looked like recaps, um, I almost called them slides, but cards that would come up. But they moved so fast. And those were translated, but there was no way to read them because they only had them on screen for a second or two and they would just blow right through them. So on one hand, it was kind of frustrating for me because I felt like you were handing me the information, but purposely taking it away so that I couldn't have it. <laughs> um, but it did help to know, like going into the series, like, OK, I'm not going to catch everything. I have to accept that this is like an art style that they're purposely utilizing. It's not intended for me to not catch it. You can tell even from the naming of the show and the mm-hmm. naming of the episodes and the series that there's a very heavy reliance on understanding of kanji mm-hmm. and wordplay. Yeah. And a lot of things that we probably missed. Yeah. Um, as non-native speakers. Yeah. But in general, there's so much text. Yes. All the time. Yeah. There is the constant dialogue because the majority of the show is talking. Yeah, there's not really a whole lot of action. Sure. It's it's people standing around and talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that on top of the fact that they put text everywhere in the environment. <laughs> yes, yes. On people's eyeballs, mm-hmm. on chalkboards <laughs> behind the characters, yeah, on yeah. every single object can be a place where they find somewhere to put text and insert uh, part of the story. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was about to say, it's not just like background text. You know, if you 
you know, see a, a street sign or something. It's it's intended to be a part of the story. It's revealing something to you or giving hints to something that's going on. Let's talk quickly about the the introductions for each show, which every subsection, so mm-hmm. every story that they tell, the mm-hmm. first two episodes and then the next three, mm-hmm. both had their own opening mm-hmm. animation. Yes, that were was, strikingly different from, yeah, from each other. Very different. Um, the first one involves a lot of staplers. Yes. yes it's, it does. it's more or less like an animation of a stapler mm-hmm. uh, going throughout the environment and leaving staples in a trail everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the second animation that we see is mm-hmm. a very, very over-the-top, it's so cute. crazy, happy, cute animation of the young girl that mm-hmm. we meet mm-hmm. interacting with herself, yeah. millions of, of them. Yeah, as though she populated the world with copies of herself. Yeah. But the music was also very different in both of those. And so you could tell, even just by looking at it, that the two characters that they were focusing on in each of those arcs were remarkably different from the other one. It was actually kind of a shock to go into episode three and see how crazy different the intro was. And we were like, oh, oh, what is happening here? This is going to be very different. Uh, which you touched on music. Mm-hmm. Um, all the music, as far as I can tell, is done by Meg Rock, which okay. is a popular artist. She does a lot of, of anime stuff. Oh, great. And the fact that those two intro songs were so different, Mm -hmm. despite being the same artist, Mm -hmm. really shows that the director had a a huge influence on what they were doing in the show. Yeah, well, even if we can go into it, even inside the show, there was a lot going on musically. Um, Something that I noticed is that there was a lot of thematic music going on. So each character kind of had their own uh, theme music throughout. Yeah, the uh, the prime example I can think of is Oshino, who anytime he came in, there was like <laughs> slide guitars mm-hmm. and there was a harmonica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, very bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and at one point, uh, I think it was Hitagi had like metal music that came up, uh, especially when she was like... Yeah, when she was brandishing her weapons yep. at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought that was great. That's something that, um, you don't really see a whole lot in anime is really taking the time to like develop the characters, not just through their animation, through their dialogue, but also musically, you could feel the character through the music. And then even when they change their music alters. So Hitagi's music ended up changing as her character changed. And that was really interesting to me. The kind of general score that happened in scenes that weren't necessarily related to a specific character mm-hmm. kind of remind me of uh, Death Note's score a little bit. Okay. If you remember any mm-hmm. of that. Uh, or more recently, like Breath of the Wild. Oh, yes. Which okay. has a very sparse sort of score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it repeats a lot. It's mm-hmm. It's mostly the same theme kind of played over and over but it never gets draining yeah or or feels uh, repetitive Mm -hmm. it's just a really good underscore for the Mm -hmm. dialogue that's happening Mm -hmm. yeah definitely whether that's uh, a soft piano or some strings Mm -hmm. or whatever they chose for each scene yeah 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 talking about generally the animation styles um they kind of had a default that they went to uh in terms of the way that they drew everything Mm -hmm which was that the characters are very flat. They have kind of very few uh, colors to them Mm -hmm. and not much 
shadow or depth. Mm -hmm. And then they have very thick outlines, yes. which are usually colorful. So mm -hmm. a red, a bright red outline or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the environment around them is very three-dimensional. Yes. They will move around in uh, a 3D space. And mm -hmm. oftentimes when the camera is doing interesting things, mm -hmm. they'll zoom in on a face and that character is suddenly three-dimensional now. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I I'm looking at it generally as... As far as uh, you made the reference to Wes Anderson. Yes. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. uh, or even a Coen Brothers sort of thing mm -hmm. where there's a very heavy emphasis on the camera work as well, yes. which is unusual in anime. Yeah. When we were watching it, I told Colin, I was like, "There, this feels more like a, a movie than it does just like a show. Um, and specifically that, that feel of like Wes Anderson or the Coen Brothers um, – who put a lot of emphasis on camera work because like Colin was saying, um, there were times when the characters are just talking and the camera is actually doing the like emotion for you. It's like showing you where to look and how you should be feeling. So in the second arc, especially most of it takes place in one area, which is kind of like a playground area. Yeah. And you don't, it's not a very big playground. There's not a whole lot going on. But throughout that arc, you actually don't feel like you're in the same place over and over again because they change the angles and it feels new as new information is revealed. It's, it's like more gets expanded upon. Did you also notice how they chose a, a very intentional color palette for each series of episodes. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was totally different from the first arc to the second arc. The first arc was very red. Yes. Everything was dark mm -hmm. and uh, intense. Mm -hmm. And there was a, just red everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like the, the little text shots that would come up would be on a red background with mm -hmm. white text or something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the buildings and the clothing that they wore mm -hmm. and all sorts of choices were uh, reds. Mm -hmm. In the second set of episodes, it was all yellow. Yeah. Yeah. The playground was yellow and the houses that they were walking through were yellow. Um, and even there would be like a range of yellow. So there'd be like the really bright, vibrant yellow that you would see at like a playground um, to like very, very pale yellow. It's almost white um, that you would see. Did you have any thoughts on the character designs? Um... I super love um, what they did with the character designs, especially when it comes to um, Mayoi. So I talked before about how Hitagi had the staplers and it was like the crab claws. Part of the reason why I figured that out is because Mayoi is drawn like a snail. Right. Which the, eventually they emphasize and they really reveal to you how yeah. much of a snail she looks like. But I remember catching it with Colin being like, wait a minute, like... And being like, oh, because she has these pigtails yep. that are kind of like antennae. And then she has this big, ginormous backpack that she wears that is like the shell. And so when I started figuring out, I kept thinking about how they actually designed their characters to look like the spirits or whatever that they're encountering. In a really subtle way, too. Yeah, we because didn't. Because we didn't, we didn't catch on to the snail thing, even though they kept calling her a snail the yeah. whole time. yeah. And talking about snails, mm -hmm. she just looked like a grade schooler, yeah. like going off to school. Or yeah. obviously she had a huge backpack. She because, Comically large. Because she was like, she had packed yeah. to go see her mom mm -hmm. and 
probably spend the week with her or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was really good. Yeah, and then like and and Hitagi was even more subtle. Like we wouldn't have. I don't think I would have caught the stapler crab claws thing unless they had done something similar with Mayoi. What are your closing thoughts and uh, likes and dislikes? Um, one of the things we've kind of touched on a, a little bit. One of the things I really loved about the pacing of this show is that when we jump in, we're just thrown into their lives and the characters will reveal information about themselves, but not... They're not giving you a whole bunch of exposition. Um, It feels very natural. Like what you would tell a stranger, you wouldn't tell them your whole backstory about how you became a vampire and how you got cured from that. Um, And he doesn't go into it. He's just like, yeah, I recently got cured from this, so I know that I can help you. And that was it. They never talk about it really again. And I like that because that felt normal to me. Do I want to know more? Yes, of course. But that's part of it is I'm interested and I'm invested in these characters because I don't know every single tiny little detail about them. We had talked about how the majority of the show, the vast majority is two people talking. Yes. Just chatting. Yeah. Uh, Even when there are three characters present, Mm -hmm. it's almost always two at a time. Yes. And uh, it's really fascinating how engaging they can make that simple premise. Yeah. Yeah. We were pretty locked in the whole time without there having to be flashy, you know, action sequences or anything like that. The show reminds me a lot of um, a couple other projects, things like uh, Tatami Galaxy mm-hmm. uh, or what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, Mind Games, which mm-hmm. is a film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or Fully Cooly, which we mentioned before. <laughs> the the issue that I have is that Fully Cooly, I am very invested in because yeah. it has an amazing dub. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't think I could invest in it the same way mm-hmm. if if it were just the, the subtitled version. Yeah. Because there's so much in that show that requires mm-hmm. cultural knowledge yes. and understanding of language mm-hmm. and things like that that I, as a native English speaker, just can't. Uh, wrap my head around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't always translate properly to right. English because, you know, certain things that make sense in Japanese because of the kanji or even the way that the words sound, if you translate it into English, those words may not sound similar. And so some of those things could definitely get, they even got lost when we were reading the sub. Yeah. So I actually gave up on Tatami Galaxy at some point because it's such a flood of information. And the fact that they don't have a dub version mm-hmm. uh, means that the way that I ingest it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel the same way about this show. <laughs> as much as I wanted to keep going yeah. and, and keep pushing and understand it better mm-hmm. and invest in the characters and the stories that they're telling. Sure. It's such a flood of information that yeah. it makes it really difficult. And add on top of that the layer of every single thing that they say is some kind of pun or yeah. wordplay <laughs> that yes. doesn't translate. Yeah, which is something that we've talked before um, about how um, Japanese people really love word games. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that a lot in different animes um, of kids or or even adults like playing these word games with each other. Um, and that's something that is very prevalent in this, in this series. Um, one of the other things I really liked about this show um, that it's kind of hard to put into words, so I'm going to try my best. Okay. Um, I love how... 
tangible they made everybody's trauma. Um, So a lot of, or at least these first two arcs, have to deal with some sort of trauma in some way. Um, Hitagi's is uh, pretty obvious. The the abandonment and um, the abuse that she faced is tangible as weight um and that is that physical weight is removed from her and then is then given back to her um and so it's interesting to watch how they are dealing with their trauma and then subsequently how they end up processing it that's kind of the story in itself too is figuring out like how they deal with that and then even with Mayoi of explaining like why she was visiting her mom and subsequently why she had that feeling of being lost it was much more than that she got lost on her way to her mom's house it was that she felt like she was losing her mom because she couldn't recognize her face and they did this all in very tangible ways and even with Mayoi not actually being the entity that encountered the spirit but is the spirit himself or herself and um Koyomi being the one that's having to process his emotional baggage it it was just very interesting to see it in a very tangible way. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You did a good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, would you watch more of this? So I'm going to take your answer from last week and say maybe. Okay. Not because uh, I'm not invested in the show. It's just that it's, like you were saying, it's draining. Um, not only because you're having to process all the information, it's also emotionally draining um, because they're they're talking about these really heavy subjects. This is not a light, casual watch. No. This is something you have to go in and say, I'm going to sit down and watch this show and really soak it in. So if I, if I feel like up for that, then absolutely, this would be a great show to watch. I just probably wouldn't do it on a casual basis. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's probably why this show has been on my watch list for <laughs> probably five years now. <laughs> I actually, at one point when they were they were in the middle of premiering uh, one of the new series, I don't remember which one it was, mm-hmm. but I watched a couple of those, even though it was kind of right in the middle of all of it. Sure. And I was like, man, this is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. And uh, immediately added Bakemono Guitari to come back to it at some point. Yeah. But I knew that there had to be a good reason for me to want to watch it. Yeah, it's an investment Mm -hmm. with a great payout, but an investment nonetheless. So I I think for me personally, it's a yes, because Mm -hmm. that investment is worth it to me. This this kind of the whole package of uh, the good storytelling and the characters Mm -hmm. and coupled with amazing animation. Mm -hmm. It is draining and Mm -hmm. I'm willing to take it slowly, but (laughs) uh, I definitely am interested in seeing more. Yeah, cool. So if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. And you can send us questions or comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Our username is anamondaycast, and you can find links for that on our website. Thank you to Crunchyroll for the nearly infinite repository of anime that you've provided and for the random button, which produces those wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. (laughs) Also, Crunchyroll, if you are interested, uh, (laughs) it would be most welcome to add the random button to Verve as well. Yeah, that would super help us out. Uh, Verve is a great service that packages Crunchyroll and Funimation and tons of other things that Mm -hmm. we watch like Geek and Sundry and Nerdist and Mm -hmm. uh, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, And you can find that at vrv.co. 
that gives you uh, all of that for just $10 a month. It's really great. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is still lacking the random button, so <laughs> that would be lovely. Mm -hmm. Or open an API so that I can write one. That'd be <laughs> nice, too. Oh, gosh. Thanks also to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show. Those come from the Senpai EPs, which are available on his Bandcamp and other major streaming services. I'll add links in the show notes and on our website. Alrighty, you ready to roll? I'm ready. Oh man, I'm suddenly nervous about the roll. <laughs> Last week we had one that I actually recognized and it uh, was right up my alley and yeah. now it could be anything. <laughs> Random button in three, two, one. Our show for this week is called Our Love Has Always Been 10 Centimeters Apart. <laughs> uh, and the first episode is called Spring, First Love, Color of Cherry Blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> All right. Is this our first romance show? I'm excited. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.